Hey, this is Julio. Hey, this is Steve. Before the podcast starts, we want to welcome and give you the opportunity to support our ministry by visiting our website at www.bridgemenlaredo.org. Scroll down to the bottom of any page and you'll find the PayPal donate button. Bridge Ministries exists to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ and to equip people to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you would like to help us in our mission of making affordable or free Bibles and Christian books available and also to check out the orphanage that we support, visit our website. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, Titus 2.11. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, uh, I thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're new, like and share. And um, if you've been listening to us for quite a while, hey, continue to like and share. Um, But welcome and thank you for tuning in. We are going to continue our series on the five Solas. My name is Julio Rodriguez. Um, I am the voice of Bridge Radio. And uh, just before we dive in and I introduce our guests today, I just want to point you to the previous podcast. Um, we had a guest on, uh, Eli, Elia. Sorry, I always I always fumble on that um, on his last name, and he even caught me on the podcast. Anyway, he came on. He's a Christian apologist, Reformed Christian apologist, and he came on and defended the authority the sufficiency, the inerrancy, and the infallibility of Scripture, and we went ahead and maybe talked about a couple of nuggets of the history of the Reformation, and uh, we were glad to have him on. So, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, we want to point you back to the previous one. And uh, next week for Solo uh, Fide, we're going to have Matt Slick come on. Uh, Next week for Solo Christus, we're going to have my pastor, Chad McCarthy, and last but not uh, least for uh, Solo de Gloria, we're going to have Douglas Wilson come on to finish the series. So I'm going to go ahead and digress, introduce to you uh, our guest. Uh, he has uh, blessed me uh, very much, but uh, he's the pastor of King's Church in Peora, Arizona. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's the author of Five Solas, Standing Together Alone. Uh, he's also filled in for Dr. James White on The Dividing Line. And you could also find some very good lectures of his on the Doctrines of Grace and the Five Solas on Apologia Studios All Access content. Uh, I highly recommend that those those two resources. Uh, he's a writer for Monergism.com, and you can also find him at his website, Effectual Grace. And that's not a segue. So thank you, John Sampson, for, for coming on to talk about uh, By Grace Alone. You didn't warn them that I'm originally from England, so they're not going to have a West Texas accent when oh. I'm speaking. So. <laughs> where, where are you from again? <laughs> I'm from Chester in England, but now here in the Valley of the Sun, mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Peoria, Arizona is uh, the specific place where the church meets. But uh, yeah, great to be with you. Yes, thank you so so much for taking your time out of the day and, and coming on uh, with us. I do remember, I believe, when you were on the dividing line, you said that where you're from is also where um, the Puritan. Oh my gosh, it's slipping my mind. Um, I, I, Matthew Henry. Yeah. Matthew Henry. There you go. Yes, we have his commentaries here. Matthew Henry is from there. Am I correct? 
Well, he was uh, born elsewhere, but he pastored mm, okay. uh, in Chester, and uh, I walked past the place where he pastored many, many times. It was only when I came to the States that I found out he had pastored there all those oh. centuries before. Oh, man. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I walked past that I don't know how many times. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, before we actually jump into the topic, uh, uh, John, I, I just uh, there's, there's a couple of points that I wanted to bring out on the last podcast, so I just want to bring into light here, and hey, f- feel free to jump in and and add your two cents, um, but I do want to point out too that the uh, that the reformers were not perfect, uh, and so for, I have four points here. I'm going to go ahead and just lay them out. So number one, I, I really want to um, to say that the reformers were not interested in establishing a new Christianity. Uh, they were not seeking to innovate a new Christianity, but rather renovate. And I like how R.C. Sproul in his book he puts it uh, in What Is Reformed Theology. Highly recommend this book, but he says, quote, uh, They were reformers, not revolutionaries, just as the Old Testament prophets did not repudiate uh, the original covenant God had made with Israel, seeking instead to correct the departure from revealed faith. So the reformers called the church back to its apostolic and biblical roots. And so, and for point number two, I want to say, uh, just like Dave, uh, Moses, David, and Peter, uh, in the Bible, many of the reformers did have their faults. So, uh, the, they were by no means perfect men. We had John Calvin, who was guilty by association for the death of uh, Michael Servetus. And then we also have Luther, who was known for uh, sort of his ungracious attitude to unbelievers. But uh, yet God saved these sinners by his grace through faith and used them for his glory and his perfect. And I really uh, appreciate the way Alistair Begg puts it just for us to put things in perspective with these reformers. He said, the best of men are men at best. And for point number three, when we talk about these great reformers, we are not saying also, too, that their theology was perfect. And number four, in, additional, um, in addition, we just want to make sure that we're not deifying him. I know some, some of my reformed friends, it could almost seem like we're elevating them to, uh, to deity or really like deifying them. But by no means, uh, we're not doing this. And I think John Sampson would agree. I don't know if you have anything to say on those, on those four points. Very much so. The only person who's fully qualified to be working for God is the Lord Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. everyone else uh, flawed in some way or in another uh, at root, which is probably what we're going to get into as we talk more on the subject. Yes, amen, amen. So, John, I'm, I'm, I, everybody who's going to come on the program, I'm going to ask this question. So, uh, why is it important for Christians to know and understand the five solos? The reason is, I think, because they outline with precision and in a concise way what the gospel is. Hmm. Uh, As we read the book of Galatians, we see very clearly Paul writing and being very upset with a group of people because they are departing from the grace of Christ Hmm. to what he calls a different gospel. And he says all those who do so and present that kind of a message other than the real one Hmm. are under God's curse. So no false gospel can save We can be wrong on a number of things and still be in right standing with God, but Mm -hmm. we have to get the gospel right. We have to have a knowledge of the true God and the true gospel, and I'm convinced that in the five solas we really do have a precise understanding of what the gospel is. And based on what you were able to talk about last time, Mm -hmm. sola scriptura, if that's and it is the sure foundation for our thinking Mm scripture alone, then the Bible teaches that the way in which people are made right with God, the word is justification, Mm. declared right in his sight, Mm. is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, 
to the glory of God alone. And the reason that's important is because our very salvation is determined by believing the true gospel. If it's not the true gospel, reject it. But I believe these five solas are at the heart of the Bible, not simply of historical mm -hmm. interest to us. It's mm -hmm. what the Bible teaches. If we start with the Bible, we say, what does it teach? I believe we can say very clearly, it teaches these five solas. All right. Amen. Beautifully said. Um, so, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into solo gratia, so, which is by grace alone. And I want to ask, um, since today's solo is, is solo gratia, which is by grace alone, it would be good first and foremost to define grace. So what is the proper understanding of grace, John? Grace is, it depends on where you go in that. If yep. uh, you, were, you were to ask the Roman Catholic Church uh, mm -hmm. what grace is, they would probably not use the word substance, but if you were to summarize what they're saying, it's it's a bit like man is spiritually lazy. Mm -hmm. He needs some help from God to do the things that will give him the merit needed to gain right standing with God. And so I, I love what uh, Michael Reeves has brought out. In the Roman Catholic Church, the idea of grace is a lot like some spiritual Red Bull energy drink. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's poured into the soul. It, uh, <laughs> the technical term is infusion. Mm -hmm. And God infuses by means of the church and its sacraments the things that uh, are poured in there. And as man cooperates with this thing called grace, this substance, he can gain merit and access to God. The biblical definition of grace is man being uh, depraved and incapable of pleasing God needs God to do something for him. And it's mm. the activity of God, God alone. It's the contrast between human merit, human action, and not that that, that is uh, something that God doesn't like. And mm -hmm. in fact, Martin Luther said it so well, God doesn't need your good works, your neighbor does. Mm. <laughs> I like that. And grace <laughs> is God coming to us mm -hmm. and seeing our desperate need has not only provide something, provided something that is necessary, but sufficient. Grace is God meeting us where we are, providing all that is necessary for our salvation. So that Amen. it's all done by him or else any mixture of grace and human activity is not actually grace. It has to be pure grace mm. for it to be grace. Right. Yes. 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 I, I affirm that. Yeah. And the word of God yeah. says uh, salvation is from the Lord. It originates in him and it is a, it is a free gift from him. Uh, Psalms 37, 39 says the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. And then we have also two in Jonah 2, 9, but I with voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice what I have vowed. I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So it's, it, it originates in him and it is freely given. So yes, I would agree, John. It's, it's all, it's all God. Um, and it comes back to the Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who he is and what he's done. And understanding grace in this way allows us to receive Christ in the gospel. Grace is the way in which God saves through Christ. Right. 
Amen. So the Reformers believed that a proper understanding of grace was vital to the Christian faith. And Martin Luther in The Bondage of the Will called the issue, quote, the hinge on which all turns. So the Reformers slogan, by grace alone, stems from the way that they viewed the human condition. So how did the Reformers view the the, the condition of man and how does it relate to uh, by grace alone? This is like really important for, I, I believe a, a lot of the Reformed doctrine literally points back to to this main issue, which is the condition of man. So, um, yeah, I'll ask the question again. How did the Reformers view the condition of man, and how does it relate to uh, by grace alone? The Reformers understood what the Bible teaches, and that is that man is not well. Mm-hmm. He's not doing well and just needs a kind of halftime team talk from the coach. Come on, guys, you can do <laughs> – you're doing pretty well, but you, you can do it second half and right. and, and we, we can get the job done. He's not well. He's not sick. Mm. He's not uh, just on a hospital bed just needing uh, some pill, like the goth pill, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to come in and, <laughs> you know, imbibing that he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. The reformers understood that spiritually speaking, though emotionally he's alive, intellectually he's got his wits about him, Physically, he's up and moving. Spiritually speaking, he's born DOA, dead on arrival. Mm. And uh, that's what Ephesians 2 says when Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And he says, look, we were all dead in trespasses and sins. He's not talking about their physical condition. They were uh, Ephesians walking around the city of Ephesus. And he says, like all of us, we were in that condition. And then the answer is, but God, let me let me, in fact, kind of bring it up to date. There's a there's a quote mm-hmm. I uh, was looking for, and I was able to find it, and uh, it comes from uh, the translators uh, J.R. Packer and O.R. Mm-hmm. Johnston uh, in an introduction to uh, the book The Bondage of the Will. Mm-hmm. They said this: These things need to be pondered by Protestants today. With what right may we call ourselves children of the Reformation? Much modern Protestantism would be neither owned nor even recognized by the pioneer reformers. Mm. The bondage of the will fairly sets before us what they believed about the salvation of lost mankind. In the light of it, we are forced to ask whether Protestant Christendom has not tragically sold its birthright between Luther's day and our own. Has not Protestantism today become more Erasmian mm, than yes. Lutheran. Lutheran, mm. and uh, I, I totally agree. We've gone back to Rome in an understanding of grace, which is man cooperates with what God does in Christ. But the reformers understood man is incapable of cooperation, just as the biblical picture of uh, Lazarus in the tomb was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus outside the tomb saying to the folk around him, roll the stone away, and then saying, Lazarus, come forth. And there was no cooperation on Lazarus's part whereby mm. he um, and his activity allowed Jesus to raise him from the dead. Mm. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's God's activity plus nothing. And the reformers understood we need exactly that, not reformation in the sense of human uh, reform. We need resurrection because mm-hmm. of our spiritual condition since the time of Adam. And it goes back to that. What happened yes. when Adam fell? Did it affect only Adam or did it affect all of humanity? And the biblical answer to that is from Psalm 51 and Romans 5 and other places, 
every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everyone entering this world has been affected by Adam's sin and is born in the condition that Adam had after the fall, which was spiritually dead, needing resurrection. Mm. And that's why Paul's words and John's words and Jesus' words, when we go to them in Scripture, all affirm this. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. He cannot even see the kingdom of God. He needs something that he cannot produce by himself. He needs God to bring him to life. Yes, I completely agree. Um, Augustine wrote, quote, The grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord must be understood as that by which alone men are delivered from evil and without which they do absolutely no good thing, whether in thought or will and effect, or, or affection or in deed. Um, and so I, 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 um, I would like to go to, towards a little bit of scriptures that, sort of, that support the doctrine of total depravity because... Um, you know, some some individuals who would object to what we're saying will say, well, it doesn't say that in the scriptures. And um, mm-hmm. can, can you point out uh, at least like one or two um, um, instances in the Bible where it, where it states that we are dead? <laughs> yeah, well, I've mentioned Ephesians 2. Colossians says much the same thing. But uh, again, when I was uh, coming to my understanding of uh, Christianity, I, I was kind of on the other side of the trench, if you, yes. if you like, uh, understanding. Yep. Uh, I, I was what we would call Arminian. Uh, Arminian. I, I wouldn't have known that was a term that uh, w- would encompass what I believe. But going to the scripture, um, I found Jesus articulating the fact that man is unable to mm-hmm. do things. And it's not something that you know, it's the American way. We, we kind of want to say, you can do it, guys. You mm-hmm. can do it. Just do a little more. And then you come to the cannots in Scripture, and you find that they are very strong. And we as children of the Reformation, so to speak, take mm-hmm. those words seriously. When in John six forty four, for instance, Jesus said, no man, which is a universal statement, yes. <laughs> no man can, and it's not the word may, which speaks of permission, it's the English word can, which is uh, derived from the, the Greek word, which speaks of ability. No man is able, no man can come to me. Now, we have to come to Christ to be saved. And Jesus says, no one, no man can mm-hmm. come to me. And if the verse had stopped there, no one could be saved. Thankfully, the next word brings an acceptive clause that says that there is uh, a remedy for this, mm-hmm. but we need to understand the condition before we appreciate the remedy. The, re- the, yeah. the condition Amen. is no man is able, Jesus said, to come to Jesus, which is, again, very bad news unless, which thankfully is the next word, <laughs> unless <laughs> the Father who sent me draws him and... A lot of people stop there with uh, that statement, but Jesus hasn't finished his sentence. No man can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Hmm. Understanding that, Jesus is actually saying that this drawing of the Father to Christ is so effective Hmm. that everyone drawn in this way is raised up to eternal life. They Mm. get to heaven. They have right standing with God. We talk here now about a grace that is 
effectual. That's why I call that blog I, I write at uh, yeah. effectual grace. It's mm-hmm. it's God doing what we can't do, knowing our condition. We cannot come to Christ. Why? Not because of a physical incapability. You know, someone is is sitting in a chair mm-hmm. and uh, someone says, "Get up," and say it's it's God who's saying, "Get up." Mm-hmm. from the chair. There's there's a couple of reasons why man cannot get up from the chair. The one would be he's physically tied down. Mm-hmm. He's been tied down with chains. He tries with all his might to get up, but the chains are preventing him. That's mm-hmm. what we would call a, a physical condition that would enslave him. Right. But there's another reason why he might not get up, and that is he just loves the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and a- according to Scripture, man loves sin. He loves darkness, John mm. chapter 3, rather than the light. He will not come to the light lest his mm. deeds be exposed. And so man sitting in the chair is hearing, come, you know, come to Christ, stand up, get up from the chair. And we say, no, not because we don't have the physical ability to get up, but we don't have the moral ability because we love our sin. We don't love Christ. We don't see the beauty of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, Second Corinthians 4 speaks about the God of this world is blinded, mm-hmm. not given short-sightedness, but has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So Scripture says we're blind to Christ. We're deaf to him. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, you cannot hear my words because you are not my sheep. Strong, strong words. Yes. We're, we're deaf. We're blind. We don't want Christ. And that's the problem. We don't want, want him. him. And so grace, when we talk about grace alone, answers this question, which goes to the real heart of the Reformation. Huh. Why are you a Christian? Yeah. You were dead before God in trespasses and sins spiritually. You're blind to his beauty, deaf to his voice. And scripturally speaking, the answer is, God mm-hmm. and nothing else. Not yeah. God plus my efforts, my insights. I was smarter than the other guy who heard the gospel. I was able to work out who Jesus is. No, it's 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 like when Peter spoke up and said after Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Mm. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus didn't say, Well, I'm glad you worked that out. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. He he said, You're blessed. My father has revealed, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. We need a revelation of who Jesus is and whether that happens to us when we're five or 95. If Mm. someone understands who Jesus is and the gospel is and embraces it, it's because God has opened the eyes of the blind. Amen. Amen. So yeah, so some people could be listening there and they're they're saying, uh, well, I believe in that. I'm not sure what what other perspective of, of grace do people have. Um, can you teach? Because over here at Bridge Ministries, we're very much into teaching um, yeah. other views and stuff. I, I would really like for you to to discuss Pelagianism and also semi-Pelagianism, which which I believe a lot of Christians today hold to is a form of semi-Pelagianism. So if you could do that for us, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pelagianism, as you might guess, comes from uh, a man in history called Pelagius. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was a British guy. We're, we're trying to exclude, excuse that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's the source of a lot of problems in church history. And he mm-hmm. had the idea that Adam's sin affected only Adam mm-hmm. and nothing uh, of what Adam did affected Cain and Abel or anyone else since. It just affected Adam. 
And Pelagianism is the idea, as Pelagius taught, that man is basically good. There's probably someone out there who's living according to God's standard perfectly, Mm -hmm. and he can do it without the need of grace. Hmm. He can can really, if, uh, if he needs to, pull himself up by his bootstraps and climb the mountain of God Mm -hmm. and get there by his own power. They would look at uh, verses that says, uh, say, be perfect even as the Father is perfect. And they say, well, if God has said, be be perfect, we must have the ability to be perfect. Hmm. And that's where they go wrong because we are required to be perfect, but Mm -hmm. according to the same Bible that says be perfect, we're incapable of perfection we uh, are prone to sin. We've got mm. a, a, a will that is in league with our nature, and our nature since the fall is not one of neutrality towards God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually hostile towards God. We've got a bent towards sin. That's why uh, whether people understand the theology behind it, they've never, as parents, had to train their child to be naughty. Now, this is how you uh, you know, throw things at uh, people. This is how you throw your food off the table. This mm. is how you lie. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have to give them a five-step formula on how to do that. That comes naturally, and that's why we have to train people and youngsters to do the right thing and go against their bent. So mm-hmm. Pelagianism says that God's grace, it's, it's good that it's there, uh, it, but it facilitates, it, it helps, it makes salvation easier, but you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Semi-Pelagianism, notice that it's... Uh, semi. <laughs> uh, semi, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's, it's an idea here that God and man cooperate for salvation. God mm-hmm. does his part, man does his part, and would say, unlike Pelagianism, which is and has always been... Con- by the church, semi-Pelagianism is the idea that grace is is necessary. You you really do need grace, and the Roman Catholic Church would be in that uh, under that cover, so to speak, of semi-Pelagianism, uh-huh. and would say you need grace. In fact, the Protestants have been uh, woeful in saying, well, the difference between Rome and the reformers is Rome believe that believes that you're justified by works. We believe you're justified by grace mm-hmm. uh, and that's not true it, it rome is all that salvation is by works alone mm-hmm. what they would say though is is that it's a cooperation between god and us that it's grace plus man's actions mm-hmm. plus human merit so semi-pelagianism though it uh, again has been condemned in church history it raises its ugly head time after time and it's probably in fact, I need to withdraw the word probably. It <laughs> is the majority view yeah. in modern-day evangelicalism, mm-hmm. whatever that is, and that is the <laughs> idea that God has done his part. He's taken a 100 steps towards you. He just waits now for you to make the decide coming to him. So uh, you, you have heard the gospel now. God's done everything he can. He's thrown the uh, life preserver out into the water where you're drowning just grab hold of it and you'll be uh, drawn to the waters, uh, across the waters to dry land and you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. As, as nice as that picture is, and though yeah. it's embraced by many, the biblical picture is not the man is drowning in the water and God's throwing out the preserver. Mm-hmm. 
It's that man is on the bottom of the sea having died and God, the Holy Spirit, dives down, uh, if you can picture this, yes. into the water and breathes life into man, his elect people, there on the bottom of the sea and brings him back to the surface and he has life because God does the whole thing. And that's the third view, the first being Pelagianism, the second semi-Pelagianism, the reformers to a man, though they had disagreements on a number of uh, minor issues. Mm -hmm. um, they were all uh, Augustinians in the sense of they believed what Augustine in contrast to Pelagius in history had affirmed, and that is that God uh, and his grace, his grace therefore is not merely necessary, it's actually sufficient mm -hmm. to save. And that's the big difference. Uh, when we talk about scripture, Rome would say the Bible's necessary, but it's not sufficient, you need mm -hmm. us. Right. They would say in salvation, grace is necessary, but not sufficient. You mm -hmm. need us. You need the church. You need to cooperate. You need to keep this Red Bull energy drink working through your system. <laughs> you need to keep coming back. And on a drip by drip basis, we'll keep you in right standing with God unless you commit a mortal sin. And then, um, then we've got remedies for that, but it's all through the church. However, God's work in Christ is sufficient. Believe mm -hmm. on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God hmm. through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. So uh, the Reformed position, mm -hmm. um, historically known as Augustinianism, mm -hmm. is one that says grace is not merely necessary. It's necessary and sufficient to save. God does it, and that's why... Human boasting is not merely excluded or kept to a minimum, mm -hmm. but it's, it, it is totally, totally out of the picture. It is excluded forever so that imagine two saints in heaven, and we talk about saints as all the people of mm -hmm. God who are justified as the Bible does. And let's call them George and Jim. George turns to Jim and says, now, now how come you're here? And Jim says, well, I, I don't want to. I, I got to kind of keep my voice down, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I worked out who Jesus is and I, I did a whole lot of things in, in, in life. I helped 432 elderly people cross roads. I gave to <laughs> charity. I did all these things, but keep your voice down. Yeah. Keep your voice down. Cause everyone's singing about worthy is the lamb over there, mm. you know, and he's redeemed us by his blood. And, and if you see the saints in worship, it's all about God because they get it. Yeah. They get it. It's God. It's Jesus who deserves all the glory for salvation. Mm. And without grace being the only way we're saved, man can boast even a little that he has either done something to get there or worked out who Jesus is by himself with the help of God. Yeah. But all the saints in heaven understand what the Bible teaches. No, we were dead towards God. We were blind to his truth. We did not see beauty in Christ. And God saves us by his work alone. And that's why all of the solas go together yes. uh, in expressing the beauty of God's glory and salvation. Yeah. Just, I, I want to just read out Romans 11, 5 through 6, as you were talking about that. And it says, uh, at the present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. But if 
It is by grace. It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. <laughs> so that's just, yes. a little, just a little bit to, to back up what you were saying. Um, grace, I, when it's mixed, is not grace anymore. Yes, exactly. Um, and so I want to I jump on over uh, to Rome. And we, we talked about a little bit about semi-Pelagianism. That's the way that they, they view grace. And I, I really wanted to ask, uh, can you explain Rome's view of grace, which we did, but especially in regards to the sacraments. I, I, I always find it very interesting the way they view um, just the means of grace. Yeah, and it starts with uh, baptism in this uh, thinking that puts someone in a state of grace, mm-hmm. and by means of the sacraments, they have uh, seven in their system. Yes. Uh, you you go through life and at various different times are in need of the church's help mm. to facilitate you on this journey. Yeah. And there are ditches on either side of the road, and stay off the ditches, don't fall in them, and you'll be safe as long as you stay in relationship with the church, you keep coming to the priest, and by means of the sacraments, will keep you in that state so mm. that uh, you can have a hope of salvation. You'll have stains still, still on your soul, and uh, after the time of death, we'll go to a purging place called mm. purgatory, which uh, will last um, usually much more than hundreds of years, thousands mm. of years, until... God can look down and see you as perfect in his sight, and then on that basis, you will be justified. God can only justify you when he sees perfection. And so for the Roman Catholic, they uh, understand, if they understand their their church's teaching, not not the priest who um, kind of operates at 32nd Avenue and some other place, but what Rome actually teaches. If they understand what Rome teaches, purgatory is absolutely necessary hmm. um, for 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 salvation in terms of gaining access to heaven. Because only when God sees you as perfect in His sight will He declare you just. In contrast to that, hmm. the reformers brought us back to the Bible, which says, because Christ lived a sinless life mm-hmm. and died an atoning death, His death cancelled out our sin. And his righteousness is transferred to our account so that the moment someone believes in Christ, all that Christ is and all that Christ has done Mm -hmm. is transferred to his account. If you can imagine being in huge financial debt, Mm -hmm. which is it's not uh, not much of a stretch for many people. Yeah. Say you owe billions. Let's make it really ridiculous. Billions of dollars. Uh Uh-huh. And you, you think, well, I've got a payment program that will take me a, a thousand years to, to overcome. Mm-hmm. If someone just says, look, I'm going to cancel your debt. What is your debt? Uh, 4.2 billion. Let, let, this very rich man has got 80 billion. Says, oh, mm-hmm. no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll cancel that debt. That brings you to zero at the bank. And mm-hmm. you're excited. You're happy. But in terms of a spiritual condition, we owe trillions to God because of our sin and mm-hmm word and thought and deed, and uh, it's a payment we cannot pay. God comes to us in Christ and forgives our sins. But if that's all he does, we still cannot get to heaven because we need the not merely the absence of sin, but the presence of something called righteousness. We need positive, perfect righteousness. And so what God does is credits the life of Jesus to our account 
so that God can say of every Christian, I see you as someone who's been forgiven of all sin because Jesus died for your sins, but his life, your life of sin was transferred to Christ Mm -hmm. on the cross, and as your substitute, he paid for your debt, but also his righteous life is now transferred to your account. So -hmm. if you look in the the bank and, and look online and check out your account, you think, It'll be great if I ever get to zero. And you're shocked because now you have positive billions and trillions in your account because someone else has given you all that he has gained in terms of keeping the law, uh, fulfilling God's commands. And in uh, I love what Jerry Bridges says. Uh, It's not just merely that justified means just as if I'd never sinned, Mm -hmm. but just as if I'd always obeyed. Wow. That's the, the, the <laughs> statement of Scripture. God yes. sees us in Christ, and just as God would never throw Christ out and think for a moment, would God for a moment say, son, you're not welcome in my presence? No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that is the, the, the joy of the Christian life. When the moment we believe we're in Christ, all that he is and all he, he's just, he has done counts for us mm. at the tribunal of God whereby we stand in the righteousness of someone else. Someone in our church summed it up after I've been teaching, mm-hmm. it may even be before I, I was teaching, and said, um, God requires absolute perfect obedience. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, you better find someone who can do it for you. Hmm. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the yeah. gospel. That's what Jesus has done. Yes, I, I love that analogy because... We could see uh, we've 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 heard that analogy before, but I liked how it even goes an extra. So not only is your debt paid for, and usually you'll just think of your bank account at zero, but yeah, now you have yeah. a trillion dollars. So you have yes. you have more. And so when you put that in perspective, I I mean just to let my audience know, I mean I'm like two thousand five hundred dollars in debt, right? I mean I'm mean, not uh, two thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> in debt, well, which isn't a lot, but I would be completely mind blown if I looked and it was like oh zero or not yes. even that. But it was, I had more money. I would be like what? Yes. <laughs> so it's just it's just a, such a beautiful truth, and I think that analogy just just um. It just magnifies the beauty and the atoning work of Christ, and uh, and we can grasp that because we understand yes. a, a wire transfer. You know, oh, you, yeah, yeah. A father might have a son, and he's going to college, and he needs some. Hey, Dad, I need two hundred bucks. Okay, I'm going to go to the bank now, mm-hmm. and he wires the money from his account to the account of his son, so that while he might be in New York or Wisconsin or somewhere, he can use his father's money within a few moments because the the money has legally been transferred from one account to another. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what God has done. God has imputed, transferred our sin to Christ. Actually, there's three transfers. The the transfer of Adam's sin to all of the human uh, race, that's Mm -hmm. Romans 5. Then there is, at the cross, the sin of all God's people through the centuries transferred Mm -hmm. to Jesus uh, Isaiah 53, he uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Mm. The chastisement due to us was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned on him, uh, turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's imputation, mm. the iniquity, the sin, the rebellion of us all. Mm. On the cross, he bore our sins in his body on the tree, First Peter 2, 24. Yes. Our sins were laid on him. And his righteousness is transferred to us, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 
Uh, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, yes. to become sin for us, the sin offering for us, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. His righteousness transferred to us. Uh, it's a gift of righteousness. Hmm. Romans five seventeen. those who reign in life by the gift of righteousness. It, it's all of him so that our standing with Jesus Christ on this day, if we're a believer, mm-hmm. will be no greater in heaven 10,000 years from now, even though inwardly we'll be perfect and glorified because right now we've been covered, we've been given a righteousness that is absolutely perfect. So the moment someone believes in Christ, all of heaven, they've got a free access pass. Hmm. Awesome. Um, yeah, just to stay on a, a Roman Catholicism for a minute, yeah. I actually have the uh, the seven sacraments, and you know, I just I don't know where they get this, and it's just really a stomping on the work of Christ is the way I see it. So we have baptism, mm-hmm. and this is from their catechism. It's uh, so baptism yeah. cleanses from original sin, provides spiritual rebirth or regeneration, and begins the process of justification. And I, I just sit back and blown away by that. We have confirmation bestows the Holy Spirit, leading in the increased spiritual power and seal of the Catholic Church. I'm just going to read a couple. Penance, remove... And there's so many things wrong with it. Yeah. Not the least of, least of which is process of justification. Yeah. Again, ca- carry on. Yeah, and then we have penance, removes the penalty of sins committed after baptism and confirmation. Wow. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll just I'll finish them off. The Holy Eucharist is where Christ mm. is reoffered up as a non-bloody sacrifice, reoffered up. And, and, the, and the benefits mm-hmm. of Calvary are... are perpetrated and applied to the life of the believer. Uh, we have the, There's also marriage, provides a special grace bestowed to the couples who choose to wed in the Catholic Church. We have anointing the sick, uh, sick not stick, uh, bestows grace on those who are sick, old, and near death. And the last one, holy orders uh, confer special grace and spiritual power upon the leaders of the church, bishops, priests, deacons, as representatives of Christ. <laughs> So mm-hmm. those are their means of grace, and um, so wow, and, and some of it's just man, oh, all of it is just uh, um, mind blowing. Biblically speaking, yes. I believe there are two uh, sacraments or yes. ordinances, which mm-hmm. is baptism, um, which is for those who believe in Christ, and uh, the Lord's Supper, and uh, that's it. Yes, they're just those two, and even those yeah. were reformed and 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 rethought out. So yes, uh, exactly. Yes, so. Um, Second to the last, so Arminianism, which we which we just talked, I really wanted to talk about about this, uh, which comes from the Protestant movement, uh, does not hold to a, a Roman view of grace, but one that has been called uh, prevenient grace. So simply put, yeah. prevenient grace is the grace of God given to individuals that release them from their bondage of sin and enables them to come to Christ in faith, but not guarantee that the sinner will actually do so. Thus, the if the efficacy of the enabling grace of God is determined not by God but by man. Uh, why mm. would us reformed folk object to this view of grace, John? Um, because of Scripture. In my own journey, yes, I I, I considered uh, prevenient grace as an option mm-hmm. until I found um, I couldn't find it anywhere in Scripture. There's mm. nothing in the Bible that says that God brings man to a state of neutrality where he can make the ultimate decision mm. uh, it's the exact opposite and and Romans 9 was just one of those passages that uh, speaks to this issue of uh, why God chooses whom he chooses mm. and 
there he makes it very, very clear that election is unconditional. One uh, twin was chosen over the other when we talk about Jacob and Esau, not because of their works, not with a view to future works. Works are entirely excluded. Even the idea of one would have faith in the future and God Mm. Uh, knowing what each would choose, chose on that basis. That would, again, make man the determinator of uh, salvation. But it's the fact that yes. God chooses whom he will save, that is is a crushing blow, blow to prevenient grace that says God gives this thing called prevenient grace, which, again, is a, is a system of thought that you cannot mm. find in Scripture. You can't say, let's go to the book of James or Jeremiah, and there we see it. No, right. it's it's not there. And Boiling it down, essentially, the difference between the reformers and Arminianism or any pretender is the difference between God at work or man and God at work. Mm. Monogism, one power working versus synergism, more than one party working. And Arminianism is an expression of synergism, which says God does what he can do, but the ultimate deciding factor is man's response. And so, again, I can't find it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, again, if we all we had in the Bible was John six forty four, it would knock out provenient grace yes. <laughs> in one verse, in one verse, because Jesus said, no man can come to me, talking about ability, except unless the Father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up on the last day. Mm. This drawing is so powerful. Everyone who receives this it's kind great. of drawing yes. gets to heaven. Yes. And it knocks out. It, John 6.44 um, either teaches universalism, <laughs> which again is excluded elsewhere in Scripture, Yeah. Um, or it teaches reformed theology, which <laughs> is God saves by his power alone. What it excludes is Arminianism. It cannot survive even that verse. We need to take Jesus' words seriously. He said, man cannot do this, but God, and everyone who receives this kind of drawing gets to heaven. Not 48%, not 78%, um, but it's all up to man. No, this powerful drawing by the Father results in all who get this drawing are raised up on the last day. Yes, yes. And I, I once, too, held to I, that form of prevenient mm-hmm. grace. And I was talking with uh, one of my friends, Scott, and I was telling him, because, you know, there's the, always the debate between Ar- Arminianism and, and, and Calvinism and or the Reformed doctrines. And and uh, it just came to the scriptures where I really had to, to read them for myself. Yeah. And, and yeah. I had to just come to grips with God does absolutely everything. And I did not mm. do any works to obtain this. And for some people, yeah. it's, it's very hard. They, they like yeah. to be a part of it. Just like you said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we live in, in America where it's, uh, it's our choices. Um, and so it's, it, to some people, it's very uncomfortable um, for that notion. Yes, it is. It is. And, and it all comes back to a view of grace, which is how we started the program. Yes. And if we think that repentance and faith is our part, God does his part, mm-hmm. our part is repentance and faith, the, the thing with that is it's partly true because man is required and to be saved, he does need to repent and mm-hmm. believe. He needs to do that. But that's why 
for the reformed system to hold together, it would need for the Bible to say that repentance and faith are gifts from God. Yes. And by the way, it does. Yes, yes. And I want to go back to John 6. So even verses 37 through uh, 39 says, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do the will... uh, Sorry, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And I just think that's a beautiful verse, Um, just going back to the perseverance of the saints. I mean, we can't get into that today, but um, once saved, always saved, you know? Right. Yeah, that's that's teaching that um, all that the Father gives Mm -hmm. are drawn. That whole passage, verse 37 through 44, mm-hmm. all that the Father gives are drawn. All who are drawn come to Christ, and all who come to Christ, Jesus receives. He'll never turn any of them away, yes. and all of them are drawn and raised up to eternal life. Not because we're inherently uh, desirable, but we're a gift from the Father to the Son, and it's the Father's will that the Son lose none of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Powerful. Amen. Amen. So, last question. I liked it on the uh, the dividing line. I was I was listening to it, and I I, I thought it was it was an interesting question. And and uh, you said you didn't know it at the time, but I'll ask you again. So I'm you know it now. But how can five things be one and all all alone together? Very good question. Um, I was asked that, and uh, when I first asked, you know, five things alone. How can five things that are alone? Um, be alone Mm -hmm. uh, if there's five of them. Um, (laughs) And it it took a long, long time of of trying to work that out in my mind. And I came up with an illustration. um, And if you'll allow me, I'm going to read page 29 of uh, my book. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've always heard authors do that. Thought, why? Why are they? Are they just you know full (laughs) of themselves? You know. Well, no, they've actually spent a lot of time trying to write down something, and they can't they can't say it any better than this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. The American space organization NASA has a desire to put a man on the moon and for him to walk on it. With their best personnel, they form a highly skilled team and take what they know of the laws of science and set about the task of designing and building a rocket capable of accomplishing their goal. Mm. They build a launch site for the rocket, fill it with specially designed fuel, and to cut a long story short, the man enters the capsule, the countdown commences, blast off. The rocket launches, and many days later, the man lands and walks on the moon. Every goal and objective was achieved. The mission was successful. Mm-hmm. We could summarize the mission, NASA's mission here, as follows. Based on the laws of science alone, the man walked on the moon by means of rocket fuel alone through enclosing himself in his spacesuit alone because of the rocket alone for the glory of NASA alone. Hmm. It was not the laws of science plus something else added. It was not rocket fuel plus hamburger meat thrown in <laughs> it was not the space suit plus a 30 minute moonwalk wearing only his favorite football uniform it was the rocket alone that launched him to the moon and not some sea hovercraft in addition and when nasa realized their goal the fishermen of iceland who had nothing to do with the enterprise could not take any of the credit <laughs> in the same way in articulating the five solars Prepositions were used to state these central truths. They explain 
how five things all work together in the plan of God, and yet each is distinct in itself without the mixture of anything else added to it. Note the words Mm -hmm. that are emphasized in this following sentence. Based on Scripture alone, we can affirm that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, Mm -hmm. because of Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. And I sum it up with this little paragraph. Now see the great contrast between the Reformers and the Roman Catholic Church. Rome believed, then as it does now, that justification is by grace, through faith, and because of Christ. What Rome does not believe is that justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, Mm. and by Christ alone. For Rome, justification is by grace plus merit, Mm. through faith plus works, by Christ plus the sinner's contribution of inherent righteousness. And in contrast, Mm. the Reformation called the church back to the one true biblical gospel. Salvation is is by God's grace alone, received through faith alone, because of Jesus Christ alone, based on the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. And here's Mm. the summary. The dividing line then and now is necessity versus sufficiency. The necessity of Scripture versus the sufficiency of Scripture. Rome would say Scripture is necessary. We would say it's also sufficient. Hmm. Scripture versus Scripture alone. We would talk of, uh, Rome would talk of the necessity of faith versus what we would see Scripture saying as the sufficiency of faith. Faith versus faith alone. Uh, they would stress the necessity of grace. We would stress it's necessis- ne- ne- it's b- it being ne- necessary and sufficient. Grace versus grace alone. The necessity of Christ versus the sufficiency of Christ. Christ versus Christ alone. Huh. The necessity of giving glory to God versus the sufficiency of boasting only in the glory of God. Huh. The glory of God versus the glory of God alone. It's that word alone yes. that designates the true gospel from all of the pretenders. That's why the five solas bring us back to the heart of what the Bible teaches. Amen. God saves sinners Amen. by his work alone. Amen. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where could, uh, well, not only can they find your book here, but also where, where can they find them out if they're listening out into the uh, in other places? Uh, um, the, the simplest place is to go to my blog at effectualgrace.com. I've, I've written two books, one called 12 Whatabouts, which answered what I think are the most common objections to sovereign election. Mm. Uh, they're available from um, Solid Ground Christian books. In fact, both my books are. Okay. Um, and um, the, the, the book, The Five Solas Standing Together Alone, um, I believe there's a link on the site there that they can go to at effectualgrace.com. We'll yeah, we'll link it on the Yeah, so uh, Solid, Ga- Solid Ground Christian Books uh, is where you can get them. All right, and if you're ever in uh, Peora, Arizona, right? Am I pronouncing it right? Stop by King's yes, Church. Yes, you're doing great. P- 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I ever find myself in Arizona in the, in the area, you could. Uh, I'll be swinging by, or vice versa. If you ever catch yourself down in South Texas, uh, be sure to give me a, a call, and you could come down and check out Bridge Ministry. We would love to have you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate. It. Thank you for having me on. It's been a joy. Yes, it's been such a blessing, and we we hope this uh, this this podcast blesses you. Um, please like and share. Um, love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. We'll be back on next week with Matt Slick on uh, Solo Fide. Until then, uh, God bless and take care of yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs>